0: Are you willing to put aside all speculation and announce to the people here that you are not running in 2020? No. Overall wages are down. People are working longer hours for less money. Obamacare. These illegal immigrants the uh, are americans are uh, being mistreated. I'm noting that world leaders laughed to at do President Trump. Thanks for President Trump right, on trade war. You know what it is. My new slogan. For
1: 2020. America great.
0: Hello, you're listening to 2020 Vision, the United States Study Centre's regular dose of presidential politics as we edge ever closer to the 2020 US presidential election. My name is Drew Sheldrick. We're going to use our last episode of the year as a wrap on some of the big events and issues that shaped the Trump administration and American politics in general in 2018, particularly those likely to bleed over into next year and have an impact on the 2020 campaign. My guest today was a former congressional advisor to the Democratic Party during President Obama's first term, and also served as chief of staff to former Australian Prime Minister Julie Gillard. These days, you'll likely see him pop up on Sky News talking all things Trump and American politics. But before we meet him, here's a little taste of some of the big events in foreign policy this year. Hello, everybody. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. are going to have a great year. It'll be a fantastic 2018. It looks very much like the trade war fears are very real. 25% for steel. It'll be 10% for a little
1: bit. Retaliation. Starting today, China will slap tariffs on $3 billion worth of U.S.
0: goods. Trump just announced that he's imposing 10% tariffs on $200 billion worth of Chinese goods. There doesn't seem to be any quick resolution of this thing, and the president is pretty resolute.
1: U.S.-Mexico.-Canada trade agreement, and we're calling it USMCA.
0: We're started Talking
1: to North Korea directly. It's
0: the first ever meeting between a sitting president of the U.S. And a North Korean what leader. What happens
1: here over the next few days could begin the process to eliminate one of the gravest threats facing the world. They stop shooting missiles over Japan. They stop all the US. Well, let's be very clear Kim Jong Un hasn't declared anything. These satellite photos show that Kim Jong Un's regime is making improvements to at least a dozen hidden ballistic missile bases. pictures
0: coming in, a warning they are difficult to look at. Children being hosed
1: off treated after an alleged chemical attack in Duma. These are not the actions of a man,
0: they are crimes of a monster instead. President Trump ordering strikes on Syria.
1: Killing new developments in the disappearance of Washington Post columnist Jamal
0: Khashoggi. we going to get to the bottom. If he doesn't, please. Congress will. That I can tell you.
1: We are with Saudi Arabia. We're staying with Saudi Arabia. And by the way, just so everybody I have no business whatsoever with Saudi Arabia. Couldn't care less.
0: Thank you very much for joining us for our final episode of the year. Drew, great to be here and thank you so much. Uh, in the cl- conclusion of that little foreign policy wrap we heard just then, President Trump was reaffirming his support for uh, the US-Saudi Arabia relationship, um, despite the horrific murder of um, Jamal Khashoggi, the Washington Post uh, journalist and a resident of the United States. Um, you wrote a piece for the ABC last month uh, about this sort of whole affair and uh, Trump's response and how it showed us what America first really meant. I wondered uh, if you could give us a little uh, more information on what you meant by that. I guess we're, we're used to hearing that term in regards to economic and trade issues and less so something like human rights and diplomacy.
1: What we see with President Trump when he engages with foreign leaders is, what are you doing for me? Mm-hmm. And what are you doing for the United States? And everything becomes very transactional. What's the input and outflows of trade? How much investment are you making in the country? How many jobs are you creating? Mm-hmm. How many factories are you opening? And that, that, so America First is, first, you're going to deal with the United States, and that's what I care about. Mm-hmm. and with and everywhere he goes uh, when he beats up on Europe because uh, the United States has to pay for to help assist the defense of Europe yeah. and when they're uh, uh, sending cars to the United States uh, at favorable tariff rates and so forth, taking American car jobs, the president says, mm-hmm. and and so, so similarly with the Saudi with the Saudis, um, he sees the Saudis as a major partner in his strategic vision for the Middle East. They are the counterweight to Iran. They are the counter to Iran. Mm-hmm. They could help uh, uh, reach uh, ties with Israel and then advance the peace process. And in, and in exchange for and along with that. Uh, he has asked for in the Saudis to curry favor with Trump. They want to make major investments in the United States, buy a lot of American goods, and particularly weapons and so forth. Yes. So that whole premise was tested when you have blood on your hands from the murder of Khashoggi, mm-hmm. and where that blood seems to land right in the highest echelons of the Saudi Kingdom. Yes. And possibly involving the crown prince. And and when that happens, it's it's funny how sometimes the death of one per in a world of woe, uh, uh, Yemen and Syria and the Rohingyas and what's happening to Christians in China in a world of woe that the death of one man Can seem to capture uh, the uh, concern, attention, and outrage of everyone, and that has landed back in Riyadh, Mm -hmm. and so uh, and and it's really forced in the United States. It's it's an eruption of concern has uh, come about because of this, and people are saying, "What is the relationship with the Saudis? Shouldn't they be accountable? Should there be some punishment? And where does that lead?" Mm -hmm. And so you have moves in Congress. Um, First, you had findings by the CIA. It's likely that uh, the Crown Prince was involved, and then moves in Congress. To uh, which we will see in the coming weeks, to uh, cut off US aid for the war in Yemen mm-hmm. and also to suspend arms shipments and a rebuke of the Crown Prince directly. Mm. Okay, so that's all coming to and, and what Trump is saying is, I'm sorry. America first means that we have to have this strategic relationship and nothing else can disturb it. And if he had his druthers, nothing would disturb it. Mm -hmm. And so there's going to be a moment of further truth here as to what the Trump-Saudi relationship is and how far it can go on the strategic directions that he's outlined.
0: We had Charles Edel in the last episode talking a little bit about uh, Trump's attention potentially turning more to these foreign policy issues post-midterms because his domestic agenda might be hindered by the Democrats who now control the House of Representatives. Is that a view that you share as well?
1: Possibly. Um, I, I think wherever he goes on the international stage, when he chooses to do it, mm-hmm. he's going to advance this American First agenda. He'll yeah. be very disruptive in Europe. Uh, he will try and achieve uh, major things when he has the opportunities, such as with President Xi mm-hmm. in Buenos Aires. And um, uh, he's... Betted down uh, a new trade agreement with Canada and Mexico, so he's going to keep doing that. Mm-hmm. Other presidents under siege have found refuge in foreign policy, going back to Nixon. I remember b- shortly before he resigned, he went to Egypt for a triumphant tour of Egypt, right. and and that got him really big headlines. Check okay. it out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, how
0: Napoleonic. <laughs> comes. Yeah, yeah, right.
1: <laughs> yeah. And and so where Trump can go overseas and be praised. Yes, the problem is in a lot of places, in places that he wants to go, where he'd be he'd be praised, such as Russia. He yeah. has <laughs> some political problems in getting there. Yep. Uh, but I still think uh, um, his America First agenda really resonates at home mm-hmm. with his base. Yeah. And I think his focus, notwithstanding the attraction of foreign... Uh, opportunities. he's really going to focus on the base and what he's doing for it co- within the coming election. Okay.
0: Of all those sort of foreign policy issues that we saw this year, sort of the big news, uh, can you see any of them sort of affecting the 2020 campaign, sort of continuing to next year? I don't know, sort of the U.S.-China trade war or North Korea or anything in particular, you can see is having a bit more of a shelf life?
1: Well, in two ways. If things go well, yeah. such as uh, if North Korea really turns out to have a meaningful negotiation, and they yeah. can make some progress, that would be a very big deal deal. And and frankly, everyone hopes that it will. Mm -hmm. But if things go badly, if, um, you know, he likes to attack uh, the second President Bush for 9-11 happening on his watch. If something happens on Trump's watch, he won't like blame, but uh, I think people could blame him. Mm -hmm. Uh, But but uh, again, I really do think that the foreign implications would be on what it means for the economic security of the country, what it means for jobs, investment, trade, and so forth.
0: Before we get into more of these sort of US domestic politics um, issues, uh, let's hear some of the issues that really dominated the political discourse within America over the past 12 months. 911, what is your emergency? Hi, my daughter just uh, texted me from school. She's at Stoneman Douglas. Santa Fe High
1: She's an active shooter. And next thing you know, everybody looks and you hear boom, boom, boom. And I just ran as fast as I could to the nearest forest I can hide. Look at me and tell me, guns were the factor. That us kids don't know what we're talking about, that we're too young to understand how the government works. We call BS. The U.S. Eastern Seaboard is now feeling the wrath of Hurricane Florence. It's almost uh, impossible to describe the destruction of Hurricane Michael here on, on Mexico Beach it's already america's deadliest wildfire in a century oh i can't even imagine it just I can't even imagine. it just came Karen in a real hurry all of paradise is burned these mothers who cross the border illegally being separated from their
0: children we should be able to agree that we will not keep kids in town in camps this is a united states of America. We called up the military
1: because we're not going to let people come into our country illegally.
0: There are hundreds of migrants here who have left their squalling camp and are trying to make it towards the border, towards an official point of entry.
1: From the U.S. side, tear gas fired toward the migrants, among them what appeared to be mothers with young children.
0: Immigration continued to be President Trump's sort of signature issue domestically this year. It was the cornerstone of his 2016 campaign. It was an issue in the midterms with that migrant caravan story. Bruce, is, is this going to continue all the way to 2020? Is it going to be a signature issue for him?
1: I think so. I mean, when he announced his candidacy, that was the first thing that he said: "I'm going to build a wall with Mexico. They're going to pay it, a, a, pay for it, and also you should be very afraid of all these people coming into the country." Yep. In the uh, last days of the last couple of weeks of the uh, midterm election. He turned to immigration repeatedly. He okay. sent troops through the border. They put down barbed wire, yeah. very visible moves. And, uh, and, and I think and he feels that he's, he's been consistent over 20 years, yeah. uh, 30 years about that policy, he's not going to abandon it. He also thinks it really helps him. I I mean, Noel Pearson used to say that people, I believe it was Noel Pearson, I haven't completely tracked this down, (laughs) that he he used to say people have two buttons, a good button and a bad button, Mm -hmm. and leaders can push either button, and Trump keeps pushing bad buttons. The larger uh, issue here, the larger picture here in pushing the immigration button is, is a president uniting the country or mm-hmm. dividing the country yeah. and it, it, Trump has done nothing and i think and i think really to the despair of people who care about the country and its future um, people who, when when you have a John McCain pass away and a George H W Bush pass yeah, away, yeah. Uh, kind of look back on those days and saying, "Well, we weren't so divided. We had a president that could stand for people and bring people together, yeah. and so forth." And that that is what a president should do. And they're not seeing that uh, with Trump. But I think his, I think he believes in the relentless pushing of these buttons yeah. in order to maximize. His base and win those states in the Electoral College. He did it before. He thinks he can do it again. Yeah. And uh, I don't see any change. He's 72 years old. Mm-hmm. He is very fixed in his ways. <laughs> Nothing uh, since being president has really changed. No, yeah. his, I mean, he is the same. He is the person. Yeah. He's one of the most honest presidents we've ever had. No, <laughs> so, and, and people are making up their minds on yeah. him. Yeah. But I think he's going to stay with the program.
0: Uh, Would Trump actually get this, this big, beautiful wall with Mexico, do you think, sometime in the next two years? Or will it start? I mean,
1: uh, If he didn't get it when the Republicans had control of Congress, I don't see who's going to get it <laughs> when the Democrats have control of the House. Democrats are not going to give $5 billion. Yeah, yeah. Let me put it this way. If I'm Nancy Pelosi, mm-hmm. and I will never be Nancy Pelosi. and you know, <laughs> she, should be. She so like is it. really tough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to get a hell of a lot for it. And yeah. it's going to be a lot more than uh, something on DACA, uh, the, yeah. uh, the Dreamers. Yeah. So, uh, so no. Uh, and so I think he will try and eke out in a tactical fight. Uh, what he can to have the wall mm-hmm. built, but but it is you know his base really does believe in the rallying cry, and yeah. and and he wants to he will keep that going.
0: Yeah, well, this works for him, right? It I mean, does. If it doesn't get built, you know, it can come in twenty twenty. is another issue. He can they blame can,
1: right. Elect, yeah. reelect like me, and we yeah. will get it built. Yeah, exactly. The, the yeah. problem is the same. You are afraid of the problem. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna I'm in command on this problem, mm-hmm. and that's what I want.
0: Uh, we should really talk about staffing within the White House as well. Over the weekend, we saw White House Chief of Staff General John Kelly retire. We also saw Attorney General Jeff Sessions go straight after the midterms. Um, that Chief of Staff role in particular is going to be pivotal for Trump's next two years and sort of ensuring discipline in what is sort of often a dysfunctional um, White House. Uh, who is going to want that job?
1: I don't think the president's looking for discipline. No. I think the president is looking that, he, that Trump can be Trump. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Kelly came in, you'll recall, in the 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 first few chaotic months under Reince Priebus Mm -hmm. in the administration, apparently anyone, I wish I was there, anyone could walk into the Oval Office (laughs) and say hello to the president, you know, know, plant an idea bomb and see what would happen, Uh, (laughs) and that was was a big deal, Um, uh, and clearly when he brought in Kelly, he wanted more order and discipline, Mm -hmm. but there are limits, and certainly over time, that situation has degraded, Mm -hmm. and what you can see just on reports of the president's, um, how he wants to spend time and what he wants to do, he's in control of his office, of his time, of his Twitter feed of his media interaction, of who he calls, when he calls them, what yeah. he wants to discuss. And so that's what he wants. Yeah. Now I think um, he's going to play uh, offense and defense. Um, offense in terms of I'm running for in 2020 and yeah. I want a top political operation, mm-hmm. and defense those crazy Democrats are going to be after me when they take control in January. Yeah. So he needs a chief of staff at least for, that will help manage those two things. Mm-hmm. So Nick Ayers, yes, who is yeah. Vice President Pence's, who is Vice President Pence's chief of staff, yep. was very attractive because he's a hot political yeah, commodity. Yeah,
0: running around on the weekend. But when you think
1: about other other people who have served as chief of staff, and there have been you know poor ones and good ones, but when you think about the Jim Bakers, yeah. the Howard Bakers, the Leon Panettas, you're looking for really seasoned players Mm -hmm. who know the U.S. government, know foreign governments, know politics, and can bring all of that knowledge and discipline into the Oval Office so that the president can accomplish, has a better chance of accomplishing more of what he wants Mm -hmm. than without those people. I don't think Trump is going to go down that road. Now, of people being considered, um, they're heavyweights, uh, uh, Steve Mnuchin, the Treasury Secretary, Mike Mulvaney, the Budget Director, yep. Robert Lighthizer, the Trade Representative. Uh, my fa- I was thinking about it uh, just before coming on, uh, on with you. My favorite would be Kevin McCarthy, who was the uh, House Republican leader. Uh, just elected to succeed Paul Ryan mm. as lead, not a speaker, but as leader. Yep. but um, McCarthy is a you know seasoned lawmaker, knows Trump really well mm. because of the work on the tax bill and the whole legislative agenda. right So he knows politics and is a he's an adult mm-hmm. and uh, and if I'm McCarthy, I'm saying, okay, I'm not going to be in power for the next two years. I'm probably not going to be in power for another four years. Yeah. And so why do, do I want to hang around and be minority leader for four years? So that's my yeah. long shot bet. Uh, take the odds now, 100 yeah. to 1. Put your money in.
0: Yeah. So let's see what happens. So Nick is out, right? So we heard um, uh, this morning, but just before um, recording, that uh, he would he'd said that he wanted to spend more time with his family. I think it was in Georgia or? No,
1: he's, he is from Georgia. Yeah. Uh, he uh, wants to be play a role in politics there. I wouldn't be surprised if he shows up as running for governor of right. Georgia or a Senate race yeah, uh, right. in okay. Georgia. Yep. So he'll be out there, and he couldn't commit he said uh, to the president, I can be, it's reported, I'll, I'll be, stay with you for three months, but yeah. not longer. Yeah. And the job really requires the next two years. It's, right. And and Air says it's unfair to you. And so he took himself out.
0: No wrap of 2018 would be complete without a look at uh, special counsel Robert Mueller's Russia investigation. Uh, so let's hear a few of the many twists and turns in that unfolding drama this year.
1: A grand jury in the District of Columbia today returned an indictment presented by the Special Counsel's Office. The indictment charges 13 Russian nationals and three Russian companies for committing federal crimes while seeking to interfere in the United States political system, including the 2016 presidential election. George Papadopoulos, the first Trump campaign advisor to be arrested, is now heading to jail. The judge has has announced that this jury found Paul Manafort guilty on eight counts guilty implicating president. Uh, We're seeing Vladimir Putin arrive. We expect him to then uh, make his way to this meeting, this one-on-one meeting with President Trump. I have uh, President Putin. Uh, He just said it's not Russia. I will say this. I don't see any reason why it would be. Tonight, a unanimous warning from the heads of all six U.S. intelligence agencies. Russia is at it again. Jeff Sessions, the attorney general of the United States, has submitted his letter of resignation. Arguably the bigger headline is the fact that Rod Rosenstein no longer has oversight of the Russia investigation to be the acting attorney general. Sources it- tell Fox News that President Trump wants William Barr to be his next attorney general. Ravapola
0: says that Manafort repeatedly lied to prosecutors, case of Special counsel again saying that General Michael Flynn Gave such good cooperation, so substantial,
1: he should serve no Mr. time in jail. And his strike force have examined every aspect of my life. I was asked a series of questions. I've answered them very easily. Some
0: say that you could stop all this by, de- good, by- I could. St-
1: I could fire everybody right now.
0: Bruce, we saw Michael Cohen face uh, what could be significant jail time last week over alleged payments to women in the lead-up to the 2016 election. Uh, We're likely to see more um, on Trump campaign chairman Paul Manafort this week. What's the mood in the White House now? Do you think, at this moment, I mean, is there a sense that the walls are really closing in as we get to the end of this investigation?
1: If you listen to what uh, he says on Twitter and other things, (laughs) he's uh, he is in command, and they haven't touched me, and there's no collusion, and so (laughs) forth. So I wouldn't say he's in a state of denial, but and denial is a really great river in egypt but yeah. uh I, I just don't know whether it, that's what he's saying publicly now yeah. privately whether he's really concerned sometimes you know sometimes you kind of intuit these things by looking at pictures of him on television and so forth and he does not look happy right yeah. and so i and and generally presidents know things before other people know yeah. things yeah. and so i think he's being briefed by his lawyers and others as to what's coming and what's coming can't be good mm-hmm. The Cohen thing is uh, what's happening with Cohen and the special counsel and the pleadings and so forth. There's a legal issue of um, did Cohen, Cohen made payments to women, directed payments being made to women to keep them quiet during the campaign, and that and the uh, allegation is that Trump helped direct those payments. You also had Cohen engaged in business discussions with the Russians uh, about Trump or- between the Trump Organization investments in Moscow, building a tower, and so forth. Mm-hmm. Those discussions uh, continued well after people who knew about it thought they may have ended, right. almost to the moment when Trump was nominated. Right, this is sort of
0: in the primary season. This or is Janu-
1: or? This is through June of 2016. Right, exactly. Okay, so the primary season yeah. and up to the convention. Yeah. So what's being discussed politically, like right now mm-hmm. in Washington, is well. If the public had known that there were payments made to women to shut them up, and if the public had known that Trump was discussing with Putin uh, or or, uh, representatives of Putin Mm -hmm. about business investments in Russia, how would that play in the Republican primaries? Mm -hmm. You tell me. And so would the trajectory of the campaign have been changed if people had known that? Mm -hmm. And and so that just becomes an ongoing political issue. And you also have, in the context of Democrats taking control of the House, Mm -hmm. as soon as something appears in the papers in the old days, like today, uh, the Republicans would never hold a hearing on it they they believe me michael cullen and others are going to be asked to testify on these matters in front of the house judiciary committee so it the echo chamber goes on and on as to where Mueller ultimately goes no one knows i mean i thought this investigation would be over by the middle of the year certainly and well before the midterms but what is clear is he is forensic he is methodical and everyone who looks at this as a uh, uh, how a prosecutor is acting is giving him the highest marks for uh, decorum, deportment, and the legal gravitas mm-hmm. behind what he's doing. So all we can say is there's much more to come. Yeah. And uh, although you, you have a sense it's close, the two main things are did the Trump campaign cooperate with the Russians in a conspiracy and WikiLeaks to damage Hillary Clinton's mm-hmm. campaign? And then was there obstruction of justice in terms of... Um, Uh, The firing of James Comey. Mm And others in preventing an investigation of these matters, mm-hmm. and you have a sense that that is coming to a conclusion, right?
0: And I mean, that conclusion, I guess, uh, w- is it likely to be a, a final report, sort of saying, look, these are these are the allegations. This is what we found. So, will it be one sort of final, all-embracing sort of document?
1: Uh, 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 based on previous precedent, the answer is yes. Uh, and now we have a very interesting opportunity with a new Attorney General, mm-hmm. William Barr, who mm-hmm. was Attorney General to the second, the first President Bush, George H.W. Bush, in the early. 1990s. Mm-hmm. And so he will be has to be confirmed by the Senate. And I think that the senators, uh, several senators, certainly the Democrats and some Republicans, as they have, a hear, have, have him testify before them, will say, What is your position on Mueller? Yep. What is your position? What will you do when he has a final report? And what, will you, what would you do if the president orders you to fire? Mueller. Yeah. And I think his confirmation could be in jeopardy until there is satisfactory answers on that. Mm-hmm.
0: So the window of Trump being able to act unilaterally on Mueller is closing. Will Trump attempt to shut down the investigation at any point, do you think, or or fire the special counsels, and would Republicans let him get away with it?
1: It, No one knows, uh, because we haven't—the last time we were here was with Nixon. Mm -hmm. When he was under pressure, he fired Archibald Cox. That was the Saturday Night Massacre. And again, as people intuit Trump's mood as they look at him on television, people wonder, how much pressure can this guy take Mm -hmm. before he finally— Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and and so are are we there? Yeah. Now he keeps saying and his people keep saying, nothing's gonna happen to Muller. Yeah. And everyone around him says nothing's and even Rudy Giuliani mm-hmm. says nothing's gonna happen to Mueller. But you don't know until it does.
0: Uh, Bruce, uh, we'll have to leave the discussion there. We could keep going until 2020, I think, discussing this year. (laughs) I'll Um, see you in court. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for helping us make sense of the year. And I I, I do hope you'll come back and join us in 2019 as things really heat up.
1: Thank you. And a great Christmas and a great presidential election campaign to come.
0: (laughs) Cheers. That's 2020 Vision for the year. We'll be back and broadcasting weekly from January 2019. In the meantime, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud or Spotify. Special thanks to the Faculty of Arts and Social Sciences at the University of Sydney for their assistance with recording. And to the Bubba Mara Brass Band, Ketzer, David Hillowitz and Broke for Free for contributing their musical talents to the show. See you next year.